In this episode of Guided Talks, Robert talks to Robin Waite. Robin ran his own agency for 12 years before deciding to take a break and reevaluate. He is now a twice published author and runs Fearless Business, coaching SMEs to grow their businesses by adapting their strategy of selling time for money to being results orientated. Hello and welcome to uh, Guider Initiative Talks. I am absolutely delighted today to have my guest, Robin White. Hello, Robin. Hi, Robert. Great to be on the show. It's an absolute pleasure. I was super excited when we had our, our initial conversation about this. So ready to, ready to hit the ground running. Brilliant. So Robin and I actually met via a, 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 a friend that both of us have in, in, in the form of Alex Angshire. Alex Angshire runs a phenomenal, or did run, I think it's now shut, a phenomenal podcast uh, that Google uh, Partners does. And I'd been a guest on that. And then I noticed that, that Robin had been on, on that. So that's, that's where we come from. But Robin, give us a quick outline of who you are, what you do, and why we should be listening to you. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, on a personal level, husband, uh, father to two amazing little girls, five and three-year-olds. So my life's pretty mental as it is already. Uh, ran a marketing agency myself from uh, about 2004 up to 2016. Uh, and then realized I wanted to kind of have a bit of a, a change. Um, and at the time, I'd managed to grow that agency. It's probably about a quarter of a million pound turnover. Um, we had four or five, well, four full-time members of staff and one part-time. And then I woke up one morning and just, um, uh, whether it was a kind of breakdown or I don't know what really, but just decided that I'd had enough of the agency days and managing our 200 plus you know, clients and team of four or five people. I just wanted a complete change, basically. I think 12 years was a good, in- good innings. Um, and then set up Fearless Business, which is a coaching practice in 2016 um, to help people who were sort of in a, I guess, in a similar situation to me in terms of growing, uh, growing small um, small businesses. And now we, we have a very heavy focus on sort of coaches, consultants, um, creative freelancers and small, I, I call them agencies, but small businesses could be accountancy practices, for example, or marketing agencies of you know, up to five, five to maybe max 10 people. Um, and our, our goal really, so I wanted to make sure that I, uh, not that I have anything, any problems with kind of like marketing or anything like that. But when I set up the coaching practice, I actually kind of wanted to ditch all of the marketing stuff and really just focus on um, with those businesses where, where they can kind of create the, or add the most amount of value to their clients. And what I noticed was a lot of business, small business owners don't, they, they kind of got an idea about their products, but they don't really have their offer straight. They're definitely not charging enough. Um, and they're, they're kind of just winging it when it comes to sales. So those are the three areas really which we focus on. Um, and, and now we actually run a, an accelerated program ourselves, which is um, really great fun. We get to catch up with all of our clients on a very regular basis and um, create a bit of an impact really. And then when I'm not busy kind of um, with the family and running the coaching practice, um, I'm normally sort of out surfing. They've just opened up an in, uh, inland wave garden near me, uh, which is amazing. So that's going to be my regular mecca. They're still kind of in setup mode at the moment and refuse to give me a membership because they're not giving anyone memberships yet. But um, and then, and then cycling. <laughs> so, so we just need to unpick this a little bit. So there's people here, most of the people listening uh, run some form of digital marketing agency and you, and you nonchalantly say, oh, we got up to a quarter of a million. And for some reason, I felt I didn't, didn't want to continue. I decided I want to go to coaching. Now, I bet my bottom dollar 
that there are people listening here, watching right now, going, bloody hell, you know, we've been busting a gut getting this agency. We've got this agency to half a million. We've got eight staff. It's so incredibly difficult. Do I continue? Do I, do I retract to being a one-man band, one-person business? Do I actually push to get to 20? Because so, so can you just unpick a little bit about the, the aha moment that went, my God, what am I, what am I doing here running an agency? What <laughs> helping other people run agencies. Um, well, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there was nothing like intrinsically wrong with the agency itself and the model itself. It was, it was actually a very personal decision. So um, I, I was out, um, the, the actual aha moment, if you want to go in, and I don't mind giving away the gory details, but I think for some people it will resonate with them. Um, so I was out with my cycling buddies on a, a Sunday morning and I went, I went down, there's a local categorized climb called Froster Hill. And I was, I hate going up the hills, but love going down them super quick. So I, it was the first time I'd ever hit 50 miles an hour. So I hit 52 and a half miles an hour, according to Strava, going down this hill, uh, which is pretty quick on a push bike, um, and got to the bottom and I just broke down. Just not my bike, as in me. I just totally lost my, my am I allowed to swear? Lost my shit. And yeah. the guys were really worried about me. And I just said, look, guys, just go, go back to the, um, the cafe. I'll, I'll meet you there a bit later on. I did end up meeting them there. But in the meantime, I just went to a quiet spot, which so happened to be next to a railway line and was just kind of like contemplating, like trying to figure out why I'd ended up in this total mess and, um, and mess in my mind, I mean. And really all it came down to, so we're about three weeks off having our um, uh, second baby. So we had a planned cesarean with both of them. Um, and I realized that I was just, I'd been so busy building this thing for 12 years and just hadn't really put a decent amount of time into family and um, I realized that when I went off on paternity leave for the second time that um, when I did it for the first time, I only took like a couple of weeks off and was straight back into it and bitterly regretted it. And this time around, I just wanted to have a total break. I didn't want to have to deal with stuff. didn't want to have to deal with clients. I just wanted to focus on the family. And I, whether it was the right or wrong decision, the only way I felt I could do that was to basically close the agency down. And of course, I went home, told my wife about it, and I got the international sign of distress, you know, and she's like, eight months pregnant like what the are you doing you know um and I, I was just like I, I just can't do this I just need a bit of time to kind of refocus and and you know think about me for a change because everything had been about serving clients and serving staff and serving everybody else for like 12 years um and and so yeah so on the Monday I went in and I told my team I said I'm really sorry I've got some uh some bad news you know because I'm going off in three weeks and so are all of you and they kind of looked at me quizzically and I was like this is, this is it I'm just I just can't do this anymore um and actually I'd set the business up in such a way that I had I created quite a nice amount of passive income or well, passive kind of semi-passive um income coming in from sort of support and hosting contracts and so it wasn't like I was just switching off everything it was like there was still going to be income coming in I it, I just wanted I just needed the time and space to think about things mm, so I, I mean I it's in I mean that's it's, it's a We'll just stay there for a moment because I know several people who've, who've got agencies to 20, 25 people. Uh, one's a PR agency, one's a digital agency, one's a full service agency, as it happens. And every one of them had some kind of an aha. And I, and I, I talk about it quite often, which is that on your own, on your own, it's easy to earn £100,000 a year, 100000 a year, $100,000. Take away 500 
500 pounds for the accountant, you're left with 99,000, oh, 500 quid for a new computer, you're left with 99,000 quid. At a million pound turnover with 10 people at 10% net profit, hey, you're making 100,000 pounds, you know, yeah. and, and there's this, you know, valley of death you go through to go from one place to the other. And I think loads of people get stuck at about five or six people uh, in that valley of death where they're working harder than anyone else in, the, in, in business. The next person they're going to employ is going to be a non-fee earner, or if they're not a non-fee earner, they're going to be a beginner, or if they're not a beginner, they're not going to be able to trade. And, and, you, and you just have this, there's one woman in particular who just had this aha, she had 25, 27 people in a PR agency, and she just suddenly realized, what the heck am I doing? I'm not going to be able to sell this stuff because it's my name, PR agency, so that the business will just evaporate as soon as she, she leaves it. And, and she just suddenly realized she was doing loads of work in order to pay the mortgages of all the people that she employed and the office and the stress and never being on holiday and, 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 and she could work on her own and working with the sorts of clients only that she wanted to work with on her terms, doing awesome work and she'd be happy and she could take six months off if she wanted because it was all on her terms. So I guess one in, one in 20, one in 30 agencies I see end up not doing, <laughs> not being an agency anymore. Yeah. And, and, and on the, the, the program that I run, run with Google, you know, we got 38 people on the program this year. I wouldn't be surprised if one of them goes, you know what, I'm going to become a consultant. Or you know what, uh, I'm going to actually apply all this cool stuff that I do for clients onto something that I think is really cool like I don't know like I love these I love these things and I think I can sell them so I'm gonna, gonna get a fulfillment warehouse and I'm gonna market my own products rather than do it for someone so brilliant story let's just get back to your so you're the, you're the marketing guy so I'm gonna ask you the, the tough <laughs> questions um, my question is always about marketing uh, for agencies, but also just so we can get a handle on what you do now. Yep. Three questions. Uh, why should people bother to buy from you? Uh, what makes you different from the rest? And what, what, is, what, what is your brand? So, and, um, so in terms of kind of what is probably, um, I suppose what's different about me is I, I'm a very mathematical person. And so marketing, actually doesn't know that that's a much more creative um business and it was um it didn't really kind of like it appealed to the mathematical side of things because we're doing web design and branding which there's an element of maths in both and um when i started to uh, it was probably about 2014 actually when things started to i started to have this transition because what we did is uh, in the marketing business is we started to innovate quite heavily in terms of working out how we can make more money out of doing the same things. Yeah. So we, we took like a, um, you know, what was a very convoluted, long-winded graphic design process, like just a glorified logo design process that would take months. You know about design agency ping pong. So you ask somebody for a logo, they give you a quote, you, are, you, you kind of quibble over the pricing and eventually you agree it. And then they send you some composites and you go, oh, can I have the colors in that one, the logo in that one, the font in that one? You know, and, and okay, we'll mash them together. And three months later, you've got a logo that your business has moved on and you're kind of like, oh, just let's get it over and done with. And as an agency, we were probably only billing about 10 hours worth of time at 50 pounds an hour. So 
I was like, there has to be a better way. Like everybody just seems to be getting frustrated with this process. And this is, seems to be how every single graphic design marketing business seems to work. It's like ping pong. So um, what I did is first of all, I looked at the steps. So this is my mathematical kind of like analytical brain started to kick in. Looked at the seven, we, we worked out there were seven steps we took clients through. When we identified those seven steps and put it into a process, all of a sudden it sort of went from, you know, two or three months down to four to six weeks. So we kind of cut the time in half and I was like, it's not good enough because we we're still billing the same amount. It's not mm. good enough. So how can we shorten that time even more and make more money out of this? So in the end, I was like, just set a challenge with a client. Could we do this in a day? So, and we did. So we created this amazing one day branding workshop and, and the client was like, I need this like tomorrow. I've got, so I've got uh, doing a show. I need a logo. I need all my yeah. colors. I've got to send this stuff off to yeah. the printers. So how much is it? Like, how much is it going to cost me to book your time tomorrow? I was like, well, um, two grand. So we like four X the price, but what we ended up doing was um, the deliverables weren't just the same. The deliverables were better because the client was there for the day as a part of that creative process. And it's cleaner and, just, and fresher and it hasn't been organized by a committee and yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah, and it was, it was amazing. And we like clearly defined outcomes. We could, we could give them the deliverables, the, the logo files. We could give them the, the two-page you know, style guide. Off they went with the, the printer. They, they were amazed. They told their friends about it. And when we created this product in 2015, we delivered about 40 of these. The really interesting thing was though, people saw what we did with that one day branding workshop and they said, Robin, this is really cool. Do you think you could help me do that with my business? And this is where kind of all of a sudden it was like, well, actually I realized that I preferred doing these workshops and helping people to innovate their products, service-based products and work out how they could charge more so that economically their business stood up. And I think that was a point where I realized that like, cause there's a certain amount with like doing a marketing business and maybe it's, Probably with what I know now, I would have probably done it quite differently. Um, let's be fair, you know, since I've moved into the coaching world and, um, you know, I've learned so much in the last sort of um, three and a half, four years since I've been on this journey that, that if I were to set up a marketing agency now, it would be completely different to what I did for sort of 12 years. But, um, you know, it, it, I saw this opportunity to like, you know, basically just transform people's service businesses, productize what they were doing and essentially like very, very quickly double or treble or even quadruple their income. Whoa, 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 whoa. So here we start getting into the murky, dark, dark thing of, of coaching programs. We've talked about this before. So, yeah. so there's this bloody silver bullet, triple year profits in five days or your or your money back yep uh thing which hopefully everyone now knows is just marketing bollocks um but there are people out there doing good work and you know i i i just really pity the poor young younger less mature business owner who who goes onto google and goes how do i grow my business and woof, down it comes everyone and their uncle and their friend and their brother promises to double triple quadruple now yeah i'm not disputing i'm not disputing what you what you're saying because i have some stats for some work that we've done over the last three years which is so good that i, I don't even mention them because they're just they're just stupidly good yeah. one Secondly, we all know that we can massage numbers. And, and, and finally, we all know that if someone's making a profit of a penny, 
on a million pound turnover and you convert that penny to a pound you've increased their profit hundredfold yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we, all, we all know the number but you know we're in the same we're in the same business and i i, yeah. I fundamentally believe that you know the the awesome thing that we can do is is transform not everyone's businesses uh but uh our our mindsets aren't a million miles away so in the same yeah. way you know my name is you know robert put your prices up craven you know i've i've read let me just introduce this to to our our friends and friends who are, who are here uh very neat piece of marketing go to the website you've got a book would you like a copy of the book get a copy of the book thank you very much uh so i'm very cynical about about business books and then you get a quite nice bit of postcard that comes in you get this and you get these are the workshops that we do there's references here and uh and the, the inverted commas automation takes place i'm only saying this because i know that everyone watching understands how marketing systems work yeah actually a really neat little book i don't say that very often robin um uh because it, it because it's very very simple and very easy to read those of you who've read tons of business books can probably read it in a train journey because uh, you know those of you i guess who've never read a business book before it's it's accessible a bit like the who moved your cheese type books of being simple easy it's a bit like a detective novel. You're wondering what's going to happen next. You're wondering how he's going to make it happen. Um, and, and it talks about, uh, I mean, you know it better than I do, but it talks about productizing, tick. It talks about differentiation, tick. It talks about putting prices up. And uh, so just getting back to my, where, where I, my blood pressure went up. Um, uh, is it right that we can say I'll double your profits in six months or your money back? Well, yeah, it, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because I, I did it for a while. I did the whole double your turnover and, and that was our, our main sort of marketing claim and not suggesting that I kind of came backwards from that. And I think that's because the marketplace that I, the target market that we work with in terms of coaches, consultants, mm. creatives, and in the online space, um, the sophistication, I think, of people in that operating in that arena, and the sorts, the sophistication, of the clients that we want to work with, um, they're savvy, like you said, to all of those sort of strap lines. Um, and so, and again, it's like averages. You know, we, we've got. A, um, I, I don't mind being totally transparent. We've got a client at the moment who's a coach, and he's he's um, he's been on the program for two months and hasn't got a client yet. And, and there's, there's a part of you, the little gremlins start to go, mm, okay, what have I, is it something I've been doing wrong? Is it something he's been doing wrong? Like what's going on here? Yet I've also got a client who I did a, um, what I call it, yeah, just did a, a quick sort of one of my diagnostic calls with. He just obviously caught onto one or two things that I said. And with eight, eight days goes out and gets his first client, having not had one of himself, of his own in nine months. And you're like, I'm not sure. See, I'm not sure about our, so I got a phone call yesterday from uh, a guy who I work with four or five years ago and it was like hi Robert uh, I just want to say thank you I said thank you why do you say thank you he said have you not seen the news so I said no I've not seen the news he said well you'll see that we've just been bought out by one of the big 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 agencies I'm clicking through the talk oh my god that's fun. oh well done thumbs up I'm really glad and he said no you don't understand you don't understand when we were when we were talking way back when 
this penny just dropped. This penny dropped about what the bloody hell am I doing? And I'm doing it all wrong. And I just and and as a result of you, everything shifted and moved and dumped it. And another example at the conference we ran uh, a short while ago, uh, uh, Paul from, from Sagittarius, an 80, 90 person agency. And when I met him, he was 15. And this isn't about me, this is about the story. Yeah. Um, and he said, you know, we met, so I'm just a catalyst. I happened to be there at the time. He said, and we've been running the agency, just like your, just like your story. We've been running the agency for eight or 10 years, a million, 1.1, a million, 1.1, 950, 975. And I just woke up and realized I was going to be 50 really soon and I'd have nothing to show for it. And I decided then and there, I was going to grow a business. Boom, you know, prices up, product eyes differentiation clarity focus drive systems processes is boom so so i always think we're a bit like uh market sellers that we put our stuff out and say you know here's what here's what here's how here's then and if people yeah. come along and it's the right time and the right window of opportunity they can grab hold of what you say and they can run a thousand miles with it but what we can't do, and this is why I get so hacked off with uh, snake oil salesmen, yeah. is we can't guarantee they're going to make the sales. And they've got to have a half-decent product, and they've got to have a half-decent brain. It's not the bloody apprentice, you know. They've got to have, have something about them. But I, but I think a bit like you, I, I fundamentally believe that most agencies and most accountants, consultants, totally undervalue themselves don't know how to price themselves you know whenever you talk to them you say so so why are you pricing yourself at a thousand pounds a day because everyone else does fact opinion guesswork what would happen if you charge two thousand i'd only win one in one in three gigs yeah keep <laughs> that's okay that's acceptable <laughs> keep, keep going <laughs> is, is there a problem what do you win at the moment i only win one in two yeah well fine so so what so what's your problem and 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 that's where i think coaching gets interesting getting into the so, so you, you alluded very briefly to, to your, your program. So just, just give us, give us, a, give us without a big push, without saying buy from me today, please, just yep. give us an outline of what, what you mean by the program. So we, so basically we, we kind of work around three, three core pillars. So pricing, obviously we've, we've talked about, um, you know, at, at length and, um, but the first core pillar is typically um, product. So because we work with a lot of service-based businesses, what they tend to do is they'll talk about all the features of their product yeah. and not really about the outcomes and results which they deliver. And obviously everybody buys outcomes and results. They don't buy the tools in the back of the AA van, basically. So um, we, we help them to kind of optimize and learn how to articulate that offer and plus build all of the assets around it. So it's not just about like their core offering. It's actually about, well, how do you, um, how do you, what, what assets do you need to, in, to build in order to kind of make people aware of what those outcomes and results are? Yeah. What's your qualification process? How do you assess whether these clients are a good fit for you? How do you consult with them? Um, so we take them right the way through that customer journey and that's all, that all forms part of the product architecture. Second part then is around pricing because like you just alluded to, like there's no science really behind pricing. You know, Dave looked at Steve, Steve looked at Trisha, Trish looked at Donald and Donald looked back at Steve. And so Steve's actually setting the pricing. Um, and like 95% of people might all be charging the same amount, but they might all be wrong. 
Um, so what we do is we, we have like a process where we just get them to, like you said, go and validate at different price points, at least go and get the data. Yeah. You know, cause I'm all, I'm the math guy. I'm all about data and feedback. So rather than changing your prices like once or twice a year and, you know, being, being not very fearless, being, you know, a bit, bit timid and just doing it like by 10 or 20% maybe. Well, what if you did go out and pitch it to 10 or 20 people at double the current price or treble the current price at least. And most people are like, you know, international sign of distress, like my wife did, you know, three years ago. Um, oh, couldn't possibly do that. Nobody will buy it at those sorts of rates. And I just say, well, empirically can you give me empirical evidence to say that people won't buy that that price go out and pitch it to 20 people and then if all 20 people come back and say no cool we can agree that that's too expensive provided they're like within your target market so the product's better prices are now higher and then the third thing that we kind of work work on is lead flow and so this not to be con, con, um, confused with lead generation mm. so it's not marketing though there are elements of that so we'll always like somebody's got a question about well, what do I need to website? Do I need Google my business? Some of that tactical stuff. Yes, we'll give them a bit of help. That's not a problem. But the lead flow side of things is more so about reducing the friction in that customer journey. Because when your product's better and your prices are higher, you've actually got to get better at selling. You've got to be better at educating your clients before they come on board. So um, we do it through two ways. So one, one, again, kind of goes back to the messaging, which is going through all of the, the assets, that customer yeah. journey handling objections before you get to the actual sales conversation but then the second thing is um and we're not by the way we're not sales trainers but what we do is a simple process of role play and we i just do that to kind of reiterate when it comes to kind of answering questions about their product articulating their value articulating their product um and you know what sort of questions they're likely to get so we just pre-arm them you know what sort of questions are you going to get um when you pitch your price to somebody and how you might go about you know handling those objections or concerns that somebody's got making sure that you have like it's amazing how many people are just like um they hide behind proposals because they're too afraid to actually like close the sale close the deal and they're like oh yeah i'll send you a proposal and then they've got like 50 proposals that they're waiting on from like three years ago and, and wondering why nobody's coming back to them because they'll send the proposal out and there's like 50 emails in that clients or prospects like inbox and they've got all this stuff that they've got to go through. And it's like, oh, water dripping through the ceiling. Or I've got a problem with this client or, or staff member. Pick up that bloody phone. Yeah, absolutely. Bloody client. Talk to them. Well, we, we talk about something called micro-commitment. So it's like, yeah, by all means, I'll send you a proposal, Robert. But um, would it be okay if, like, how long do you need to think about it? And can I come in and we talk about it in five days' time? Yeah. And... And it's just get just those little nuances. And then all of a sudden, so despite the fact you said, okay, put your prices up, well, it's going to impact our conversion rate. Well, actually the lead flow side of things, if you get that right, um, it means that it kind of lifts your conversion rate back up. Yeah. And I think, and I think and that's, uh, the word I love is frictionless. I think more and more, I think that's absolutely spot on that, that we make it so difficult for people to buy from us. We make it so difficult for us to sell. I think that's, that's, that's my first, my first, 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 really sort of big point about that. I mean, and and we you knew we had a we had a, a client who she used to take fourteen days to get back to a client, and she converted one in five. And I said, 
what would happen if you could get that round to them within 36 hours by tomorrow lunchtime? Oh my God, it's so difficult. We've got so much work going on right now. And I said, yeah, but you're losing, you're losing four out of five proposals. You might as well not bother writing the proposals at that rate. Just <laughs> commit to me to, to deliver proposals within 36 hours. It's really difficult. We need to do the audit. You don't know how hard it is. So now she delivers her proposals within 36 hours and she converts just under four out of five. And it's kind of like, it's just like, I mean, which plumber is the plumber you gave the work? You were just talking about your roof and your plumbing and your plaster. Which work do you give the work to? You give the work to the first one who bloody turns up. He's got like the right number of skills and, and tools and stuff that gives you a half decent price and off you go. You don't wait for, for the person who first came to get around to sending you the quote. I mean, it's yes. just like, it's really not rocket science. It's, I'm, so I'm not, I'm not in any way belittling what you're saying. Oh, it's no, no, really it's, like, it's, it's really, really not rocket science in terms of how we, how we engage with clients. It's, it's really not rocket science at all. Like, these are just the fundamental basics. But the, the challenge is, I think, that um, the, the internet actually has got a lot to thank for for making business harder. And I'll quantify that because... Yeah. This is probably going to probably break a load of people's like false perceptions about the internet. Okay. So yes, the internet has created like, you know, global marketplace and it's made communications easier and it's dead easy to set up a business and we can sell stuff online now and, and this sort of thing. But also if you look at the stats, there are um, uh, 10 times the number of businesses as there were 10, uh, 30 years ago. So at the dawn of the internet age, and um, so it's grown like in the UK, something from, I think there was 468,000 registered businesses 31 years ago. Today, there's something like 6 million. So it's actually, there's more than 10 times. So it means there's 10 times the number of consultants, 10 times the number of PR experts, 10 times the number of marketers, right. 10 times the number of accountants, you know, and, and actually that means it's made it 10 times harder to get found. So it kind of goes without saying that like the internet has not made things. And plus as well, you think about it this way. When I was building my first website back in, well, it, my first website was that it was terrible, but it was like 1998 or something. But as a commercial business, this is what we started doing in 2004. Um, Zuckerberg had just founded Facebook. So he was in his dorm room and had just released it to Harvard, yeah. his classmates at Harvard. But Snapchat, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube was, it was there, but it was awful because of bandwidth and stuff, you know? So like just none of these tools existed. So not any of their 10 times number of businesses There's actually like a gazillion times the number of platforms now as they're worried. Well, I would argue, I would argue that 1961, <laughs> Theodore Levitt, Marketing Myopia, which is, which is, it's not, it's not about tactics yeah it's not even about strategy it's about it's about the customer one and secondly yep. it's about engaging with the customer understanding their hurts needs problems itches scratches wants and desires and giving it to them showing them how you can sort it out for them and that's bloody 1961 pre mobile phones pre bloody anything the buy the bible which sits apart from your book as well robert so I've, got, <laughs> I've got your book here as well but and I, there was a bit which i wanted to reference a bit later on which i i absolutely love because it appeals to my the cycling side of me so remind me about that but yeah. this this book here okay this is like you must know about breakthrough advertising yeah, yeah, yeah. so you can't get this well you can get it on amazon it's about a thousand dollars or something yeah. but you can you can go to a website called titans marketing and i think um 
Eugene died a while ago, and I think Mrs. Schwartz needs her pension, so they've re-released this. So you can go to Titans Marketing and get yourself a copy of it. This book was written in 1967, and it is like the best book on advertising you can get. And, and do, you know what the, do you know what the thing is? This alludes to what you were saying about earlier on. You can take a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, right? People will be watching, listening to this podcast now, and I'll be saying, the best book on advertising is Breakthrough Advertising. How many people will go and buy it? <laughs> yeah, one. And, and they, will, they will also, how many people will look at the price tag? Because it costs $155 to get it shipped over to the UK, right? And most people will look at that and go, $155 for a book, that's just ludicrous. That's ridiculous. No, no book costs that much, right? But, but actually, the return on investment I've got through, through this and applying these principles from a book written on 1967, which is 30 years pre-internet, like, you can't fault that. But they'll pay a thousand pounds to go to, I'm not going to name which one it is because there's so many of them, a conference where a bunch of speakers will give the same deck they gave at the last conference, da 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 da, yeah. sponsored by everything else. They'll have to pay a thousand pounds to go to a conference because that looks like you're doing something rather than doing, doing the hard work. Okay, go on, quote me. Give me my quote. Well, well, so the bit, the, the, bit, the bit I absolutely loved in your, in your book was this, this particular page about profit improvement hacks. Oh, right. And it was, um, it, it appealed to my, A, my, my neuro, numerical brain, but also my cycling brain, because I'm a big fan of um, Sir Dave Brailsford and what he did with Sky Cycling. Yeah. And it's just this process of like marginal gains. So like, there's no one decision that's going to kind of grow your business like dramatically, although pricing does make a big difference if you're brave with it. But you, you gave a list of eight things that you could do to, to you're looking at me going, which, which bit is he going to refer to? <laughs> the way you can increase your profit by 120%. So increase prices by 3%, decrease direct costs by 3%, increase number of leads by 3%, increase quality of sales conversations by 3%, increase quality of proposals by 3%, and then uh, increase uh, conversion rate, increase number of purchases by each customer by 3%, and decrease overheads by 3%. Yeah. So loads of little changes, and then ultimately you end up with that, you know, if your business was making a uh, half million pound business making 50K net profit, well, you can increase that through those eight changes to 121,000. Imagine then you, you actually don't go for 3%, you go for 5% or even 10% across those metrics. And the only reason we do 3% is because it's like, so flip sake, anyone can do that. Yeah. And, uh, 3%, yeah, it's like, I mean, it's taking your price from 1,000 pounds to 1,030, you can't do that. And, and it's just about getting up half an hour earlier and going, going to bed half an hour later and making the difference. Well, yeah. I, I'm really, really flattered that you, you mentioned that. Um, the reason the reason why I mention that is because yeah. um, like and you talk about the hard work, but this is where that false perception of the internet making life super easy for business owners and everybody's looking for these big, quick wins. And the reality is actually, if you are prepared just to work a little bit harder, like you said, get up at half an hour and just find find those marginal gains across multiple different, you know, you can create the same result. But I bet I bet what you've suggested there is a much more sustainable way of growing a business you know, in the long term, because you get a, a much deeper understanding of your business. But B, if you just have a quick win, quick wins are generally followed by what? Mm -hmm. Quick losses. Because mm. it's, it's, you know, it's unsustainable. I've done this myself. And again, and I, I'd much rather people learn from my mistakes than repeated them. Um, you know, I, I um, switched on Facebook ads in quite a big way at the start of the year and having built up my audiences for a period of time. And I think this will resonate with a lot of people. And then um, my, I used my, the, the Facebook ad spend over the course of six months, just burnt my way through my warm audiences that I'd created. 
And then all of a sudden, like traffic drops off a cliff, like, you know, in the middle of the, in the middle of the summer. And I was like, but the thing is, rather than kind of, um, you know, I took my own medicine and I started to see the trends that of which audiences had been impacted and things like that. And so I was able to adapt and change. And then after about six weeks, rejig my strategy, pick it back up again. But the mistake I see a lot of people making is they just start, they just keep on throwing good money after bad and they just go and go and go. And then, you know, the traffic and everything drops off a cliff and they're like, but it, but it worked like six months ago. Why isn't it working now? And they don't kind of do the maths and go, well, actually it's because the internet moves quicker. Like things change in a heartbeat. And so what was working six months ago, like is not gonna, it's not gonna work and have the same impact as it does today. And I think the key thing is like to get business owners thinking like future forward, future vision for their business. I know you can't predict necessarily what Facebook and Google are gonna do, but you've got to stop making the same silly mistakes that you were making sort of six months ago. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's that, it's that phrase when we say in the old days, you know, when I was first in business, which is a million years ago, uh, in the old days was 20 years ago, you know, and, and in, when we kind of came into the noughties, in the old days was in the 90s. And now in the old days, it's like last week or last month. I mean, I think the, the what worked, apart from those fundamentals of engagement and fundamentals of understanding who the customer is, what worked in terms of tactics just, just races ahead. Right, new question. Um, for, for agency businesses, I mean, I'm talking about short-term today as opposed to long-term. I'll ask you about the long-term in a minute. But what do you think short-term today, what do you think the biggest challenges are for, for agency businesses that you see? I mean, what, how, and how do you think they should deal with them? Um, biggest challenges today, it's got to be competition. Um, you know, there's, uh, if you imagine, like, put, put some... I don't know, let's take, give me an example of an agency. Web Should we go with a web design business, for example? Okay, so, okay, web design business, yeah. so, so you can, you can, as a business owner, you can go out and you can choose to get your website set up on Weebly or Wix or WordPress or something like that. Yeah. Get it hosted cheap as chips or even free. And so you end, what you end up with is kind of this bandwidth, which um, businesses, agencies kind of sit on, which is somewhere between like Squarespace, Wix, Weebly, free. And like those super expensive agencies that cost hundreds of thousands of pounds a year or even millions of pounds a year to work with. And, um, and, and you can actually, as an agency, you can kind of like pick where you fit along that, that, that line. But in terms of how this bandwidth operates, you've got to imagine that there's a, there's a curve which kind of, um, you know, is very, it's very high. It's an exponential curve. It's very high at the free cheap DIY end. And then it's like, there's one agency at the other end. That's, that's charging the most out of everybody and what's interesting is the more expensive you are to the outside world the less competition there actually is yeah. as you as you move along that so the less businesses there are operating in that so but most agencies choose to because you know this at this end where you've got free cheap wix weebly wordpress is like oversaturated by freelancers like you know basically confusing the marketplace because there are so many of them um about which platforms to use how much does it cost they're all cheap as chips you know they're coming into business as fast as they're going out of business you know so i i think the hardest decision that um agencies um really have to make is they've got to choose you know whether they're going to be a commoditized business um, or operate in that space, or whether they're going to choose to be much more value and outcomes, you know, value driven or outcomes and results driven, like what's their confidence level and their ability to deliver results to their clients. 
Um, and if, they're, if they are a bit more fearless uh, or brave, um, they're going to have much greater success in the long term because it's not just, again, about the, um, you know, the, the upfront costs of getting a website built or how much the hosting and support is going to be. Um, it's results and outcomes that ultimately define what the relationship is going to look like between the agency and their clients. And if the clients are happy and they're getting results and their businesses are growing, like who do you think they're going to, you know, keep on their books for the longest amount of time? We had, we had clients in my, my marketing agency, you know, website clients, especially who were there from day one and still there, were still there after 12 years because we were just always focused on how can we get more traffic? How can we get more leads for them? Um, how can we, how can we help them to grow their business? And then I started moving into more of the consultancy framework where I was kind of saying, well, actually, if you did, if you, you know, if you tweaked your product this way and you did these workshops and you charged a bit more for it. So it was always about adding more and more value. So you've got that kind of dimension, for want of a better phrase, which I describe as that dimension. Tons at the bottom, few at the top, some yep. in the middle. Uh, there's also this longer term issue for agencies, which, which, which seems, I mean, I'm a strategy guy and I, and I will always, I'll always revert to strategy and marketing, but it's getting, gets getting worse. Okay. Because it's uh, five years ago, Google was the only gig in town, Google and Facebook, Google, Facebook, being Google, Facebook, being Instagram, TikTok, on, 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 it's going to go. So, so the question is, you know, for an agency, not only if we just go, do we, do we do five star, four star, three star, two star, one star in, in that yep. sense of where are we positioning ourselves in the market and there are defendable arguments for each of those steps as long as you're doing it with with intent i think there's a there's a, a bigger confusion about i'm a performance agency just selling ppc i think maybe i need to become more of a full service agency or i'm a full service agency but everyone's asking for ppc i think maybe we need to get more ppc and then on top of that we've got um, management consultants is buying marketing consultancies, and we've got marketing consultancies buying marketing agencies, and we've got marketing agencies buying digital agencies. And then on top of that, we've got the how on earth do I break through the 15 barrier? How on earth do I break the 25 barrier? And then on top of that, we've got you know the the, the, the bloody millennials debate about why can't I get staff who stay for more than two weeks? So the there seems to be way more noise. Uh, and ambiguity about what will my agency look like in two years, eighteen months' time. I'd be really interested to know what your what your angle is on 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 the kind of strategic landscape and how people should be dealing with it. Well, I, I think you've got to look at your audience. Like, who do you want to serve, and who can you add the most amount of value to? Because um, the thing I've noticed about a lot of agencies is that they're very afraid of niching. They don't like to, if you tell them, well, go and, go and pick dentists or go and pick medical aesthetics businesses or go and pick coaches or go and pick like the accountants, like they're, they're just way too afraid to actually niche. Now, little clue is that, you know, there are 10 times the number of businesses as there were 30 years ago. So actually there's more opportunity out there in every niche. Um, and it's just having the, but I, I don't know, I, I've never been able to quite put my finger on whether it's um, a core belief system that they don't feel that they can add enough value to individual niches or that they it's it's just a, a fear factor of are we going to be cutting out you know 99% of our target market by just choosing one target it's market. not a target if, it, if it's if it's 100% if it's the whole world it's not a target market it's just 
SME, small, medium enterprise. How many times have you spoken to a client, right? And they've gone, you ask them who their target market is and they go SME, sorry, small, medium enterprises. Six million of them. Wait, six million of them, basically. Yeah. So that's like all of the clients. <laughs> I think that's really valid. I think the niche, so I think the niche thing's really good. The agencies that I really love are the ones who hunker down into a niche within a niche so they actually it's not just so it's not just uh any lawyer it's lawyers with between 25 and 100 desks you know or yep. it's not just any dentist it's dentist with between 5 and 15 practices or it's not just you know and 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 they end up knowing their clients better, better their clients business is better than their clients know and there's that weird thing that you know when you've got when you've got two clients in the same industry, there's a conflict of interests. But when there's when you've got five clients in an, in an industry, you're the expert, and they'll, and they'll listen to you. And it's it's kind, of, it's kind of it's kind of about how you, how you manage that. So, cool, that's great. So, uh, what's what's next for Robin Way? What's what's in your what's in your uh, you know plans for the next year? Um, so the next 12 months kind of it, it looks like we're just going to be sort of growing fearless business and making it more um, well basically just making it bigger and better and everything so no no new books coming or anything like that nothing crazy so I'm just going to kind of give myself a nice a relatively easy year um, but I suppose what we're um, you know what we're going to be focusing on is um, we kind of so I'm going to go right back to the start of the conversation, actually. So we introduced the 12-week accelerator last year. And um, very quickly, I noticed there were two things, that common threads that were coming back to us in terms of feedback about that. So the first one was 12 weeks puts us under an awful lot of pressure to perform. And I was like, well, yeah, that's why we do it. But, but also what we realized within that was, and this goes with what you were saying, um, it was right for the right people. If people wanted that pressure, it was great for them. But equally, there was a subset of people and businesses that we were working with that it actually just takes a little bit longer. So we've recently introduced six and 12 month options in terms of the, the accelerator program to kind of a make it a little bit more affordable. So I, now I'm going to justify why I just use the word affordable in there, Robert, because that needs yeah. some justification. Right. One of the things about fearless business and about what I'm doing is that. I know that I've got a wealth of um, value and knowledge that I just want to get into as many hands as possible. And you picked up my book and you were talking about kind of the, the, the sort of core principles around um, why that book was so impactful. I, may, I wrote Take Your Shot purely for a commercial reason um, because it was, um, it was cheaper than online business startup to get printed. Yeah. It was quicker to read, and I knew that if I could get five of my core kind of teaching principles in there, that it would make an impact. Yeah. And not everybody can afford a coach. There are people at different stages of the business. And I've had so many lovely reviews and feedback from people who've come back and said, I've implemented some of the tips from Take Your Shot, and it's made like we've, we, our, incre our turnover's increased by X amount, and um, it's totally transformed our lives. I've had people who've um, believe it or not, had babies as a result of reading Take Your Shot, who have been able to save up deposits for houses as a result of reading Take Your Shot. So there's, there's, a, there's this piece about like pricing. I'm all about like put your prices up. Any, every business can put their prices up. But equally, I'm, I'm also a firm believer that um, coaching and business knowledge needs to be a bit more accessible. So I'm on a bit of a mission at the moment and I don't know what it looks like, but I want to find a way of um, getting very simple business frameworks like what I teach in Take Your Shot and through Fearless Business 
into as many people's pockets as I possibly can. And by that, I mean making it, you know, getting it into mobile devices. So we're in the process actually of building out just a, a very simple, like um, 10 things that every business needs. Um, and it's just, we're, we're finding new ways of kind of delivering it, like in a very automated, very friendly, um, like consumer friendly fashion, keeping the tips very short. And it, it's simple stuff like automated diary booking, having a to-do list app on your phone, um, just like some, just some very basic things that every business needs, you know, making sure that irrespective of whether you're going to do Facebook ads, like install the Facebook pixel. So if you ever did want to turn ads on, you've got a warm audience in your back pocket already. Um, and the feedback's been great. So I'm kind of like, well, how can I make that bigger and better and a little bit more streamlined because the delivery is not perfect. So, um, I don't know what it's going to look like. This is very vague, Robert. I'm sorry, watch but this space. watch the space. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, it's not going to be like another e-learning program. It's not yeah. going to be like a, a Netflix for business or anything like that. It's going to be just very simple, like step-by-step, step, just making business really simple, like, but delivered to your pocket. So just uh, to, to round us off, um, if you were back running a digital marketing agency now, or you go out for a drink with your, your brother-in-law, if you have one, and he's running a digital marketing agency for a marketing agency, and you fall out of the pub at 11 o'clock, uh, what, 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 what would your top tips be for someone running a, a marketing agency these days? So for, first of all, like, forget about value-driven exchange, like focus on outcomes and results for your clients and get them focused on that. If you can manage to do that, you're kind of halfway there. Second thing is be brave with your upfront fees because um, you can just, I call it the sales cycle of the sell, deliver, sell, deliver, sell, deliver, sell, deliver. You get poorly or your team get poorly and then you stop selling, you stop delivering, money dries up, it's a, it's a nightmare. So be brave with your upfront fees. More importantly, be incredibly brave about the um, like ongoing support like maintenance or whatever, you know, care plans, which you sell to your clients. Cause actually in terms of building up customer lifetime value, those are like the lifeblood of any business. Um, and if you can get the relationship right between results and outcomes, upfront fees and support fees, like it can, it can it absolutely transform agencies. Um, and um, that, that's kind of my top tip basically. Um, the, the support fees is interesting because you know, we, we encourage clients who are in that marketing space to 5X their support fees, right? And it's very scary, but actually when they do it, it's kind of like, well, actually now we can afford to have half the clients. We're making double the income. And it, and it, but also not only that, but if you continue to produce good results, um, they will stay for years and years and years. And actually when businesses get that right, it's like you can see the trajectory of their business just ticking up, ticking up, ticking up. It's systemized. And like you said, you've got those great examples of your colleagues who've managed to sell. Like if you, there's another book kind of sat behind me down there, Built to Sell by John Warrillow. Yeah. Um, and he always talks about, even if you have no intention of selling your business, at least set it up and build it and run it as though you were going to sell it. Like what would be most attractive to somebody kind of looking in? And those systems and processes, recurring revenue and things like that are definitely the keys to kind of making a, a, an agency run successfully like for years into the future. Brilliant. Robin, thank you very, very much for being an absolutely fantastic guest. Absolutely. My pleasure.
lovely thanks a lot take care bye thanks robert cheerio